We are back now with overtime on Off the Record with Emily Lawler, Bill Ballinger, and the Honorable former Lieutenant Governor Brian Kelly. Mr. Kelly, I'm a glutton for punishment. Let me try a political question, and you can, you can turn the fog machine on if you want. But as you have observed the unfolding of these two stories, the airplane thing and the land shark thing for the governor, uh, what was the first thought you had, sir? Well, and, and when it came to the, um, the trip, the trip to Florida, the first thing I, I thought was, why not just, you know, take your lumps and um, just give all the details of the trip? Um, my understanding is that a she could have received a uh, a trip, a plane ride from people who are not lobbyists. None of the owners of that plane are lobbyists, um, and just accepted the trip as a personal gift. I, I think that there there wouldn't have been a problem with that. It would have been a PR problem. It would have been a couple of days of bad news. But um, but no no kind of legal problems that we've seen happen uh, with respect to using a 501c4, using the campaign account, that sort of thing. I mean, I, I think all of the after the fact stuff made it into a, a big deal when the, the first thing was a big deal. And I'd never um, it ne never occurred to me that I could ask somebody to use a plane. So I don't have any experience with that. But um, when I was in office, but but with respect to. Um, the story, it really does seem like it just would have been easier if they had just said, yeah, you know, I wanted to go to Florida. Um, and I know the public health advice and the stuff about spring break and, and it doesn't look bad. And either you, either you justify it or you say you're sorry, but uh, you just get all the details out right in the beginning. And don't worry about this, um, you know, how, you know, sending it, running it through a different organization or whatever. I, I don't think that any of that stuff was necessary. Um, I thought on the land shark deal, the, um, the way it was responded to was much more uh, effective. You know, was, that was always going to be a bad news story uh, for the governor as well. But it was, uh, you know, who, what, where, when, why, I'm sorry, that all happened like right away. And uh, and so that story just kind of, you know, fizzled out over, you know, over a news cycle or two. So I think that's the, um, that's really the, the lesson learned here, other than just, you know, if you're feeling like the orders themselves are are constricting in in the types of things that you feel comfortable doing, then I you know I think that you got to look at the orders too. And thankfully, that's where we're at now, where the orders are being backed off, and um, and we've got a date certain when when the capacity restrictions, those sorts of things, go away. Well, you absolutely know that this town thrives on stories like that. But do you think the people out celebrating Memorial Day weekend and commemorating people who served and lost their lives give two hoots about these stories? People do care about um, the anecdotes that stick in their mind. And um, you know, I, I, one, one of the things that I found to be frustrating when I was in office over time is that it seemed like some of the most important work that I did didn't really make the news very often. And, um, and it, you know, it wasn't really a spectacle and therefore it wasn't of interest. So in a social media world where, um, you know, where things are condensed to such small, um, to such a small number of words and, and uh, kind of sound bites and that sort of thing, these are the things that can really trip you up. So uh, there's plenty of time between now and the next election, but I don't think they can really afford to have too many more of these. Emily. 
Hey, you talked a lot in the in our initial segment about some of the challenges that have faced uh, small businesses this year. I'm wondering if there's anything about the pandemic that sort of wholesale opened up new opportunities or that presented uh, areas for growth that wouldn't have been possible in a typically functioning economy of 2019 or earlier. Well, I, I think what it really did is you look at the number of new business filings, which is amazing. I normally you would see the um, you would see at a down economic time and times of uncertainty, you would see more new business filings because the relative risk of starting a new business when you, all your other options are not as good. Um, it's not unusual to see that happen during times like this, but. Uh, in this case, it's higher than than the last two recessions by a lot, by multiples. So what that tells me is that people are finding um, other opportunities, solutions, things that they can do. Um, it'll be a while before we know for sure who these new businesses are and what they're doing. But I, I, I have a hunch, and that hunch is that many of them are, um, are the types of jobs that can be done alongside <clears throat> a flexible W-2 job. So people have more flexibility today. You know, back before the pandemic, somebody had to leave their job, and not, not in all cases, but usually you have to leave your job, your security, to go and start a new business. And I think the pandemic has made the possibility of keeping your current job and running a side business way more possible than before. And uh, and so there's a lot of people out there that have that entrepreneurial spirit. It's, it's really something to, to watch. I, it wouldn't surprise me if we looked back 10 years from now at this time and said, out of that pandemic, we had an entrepreneurial revolution. That's what it looks like uh, to me in terms of new business starts. And how many of them fizzle out and don't make it past the initial startup phases? We don't know yet. But um, but I, I think that the ingredients are there to where it's more possible that um, that there'll be there'll be a long term lasting impact from this. William, Mr. Kelly, uh, what's the difference between what you've been doing for the Small Business Association the past two years and what you're going to be doing going forward? I mean, it almost sounds like with the announcement this week, you're taking over as CEO, like you just joined this group, but you've been there for two years. I thought you were already running it. And, and I yeah. guess my next one other question at the end of that is, now that you've delved deeply into the private sector, can you ever see yourself running for public office again? Yeah, I'll take your second question first. Probably not. I mean, I don't like to use the words always or never because I hate to eat my words and you can't predict the future. But, uh, but really, this, uh, this process over the last two and a half years, uh, it's been me trying out SBAM and SBAM trying out me. You know, we've been co Rob and I have been co-leading SBAM over the last uh, two and a half years, mm -hmm. and he's a great leader and does just an amazing job there. He's been, uh, been running the organization as CEO for the last uh, 21 years and or last 19 years, but been at SPM for 21 years. And um, and so really this was a lot about um, a, a decision, like this is the career, that this is the direction I'm going. Um, and, um, and, and the idea of running for office is not even remotely attractive to me. Uh, and, and I don't know that there's really a place 
for people like me, you know, the people that just want to work with both sides and get things done and, mm -hmm. and show respect for other people and take care of relationships and not to lob grenades into the system. You know, I, I when I when I look across the process, I, I don't see on the left or the right, um, a, a pro, particularly the primary stages where candidates like me are very appreciated in the first place. So um, that uh, but I, I just love SBM. It's like home and, uh, and I want to make a career out of this. Good day. Mr. Kelly, in light of what you just said, you must be lying awake at nights about the gentleman who is the Republican Party nationally. Is that a fair statement, Mr. Trump? Um, I, you know, I stay, I lie awake at night worrying about small businesses and yeah. what we need to do to but help you're, them. But look, I, you're a good Republican and you believe in the process and you believe in bipartisanship and he is the antithesis of everything that you believe in. Is that not a fair statement? I'm focused on what's happening local, and uh, and I think in terms of the, uh, in in terms of this pan this direction out of our uh, out of our current situation and rebuilding our communities, I don't think that those answers ultimately are going to come from Donald Trump or Joe Biden or anybody far away. I think it's going to come from people that are building their communities back. That's where I'm going to put my energy, my time, my thought, my emotion, my determination, and perseverance. It's going to be local. So Mr. Trump doesn't bother you at all? I'm not bothered by anybody. Nobody's going to get in the way of, uh, of the work that we do to build our community back. Would you mind playing something on the piano for me? We've never done this on Off the Record. Yeah, let's see. Let's see how it goes. How about, uh, well, let's see. From Brian Kelly and his orchestra, we thank you for joining us on this holiday edition. How much do I owe you for that? <laughs> yeah, I'll send you the bill. All right, man. Hey, it's good to see you, Mr. Kelly. Have a peaceful weekend. My best to your bride. And also our thanks to Emily and Bill and uh, Stephen, who had to go play on the radio. See you right here next week on Off the Record. Have a good weekend.